welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. So I want to talk to you today about overcoming the biggest giant of them all. How many people have a passion to possess the promised land? That's not a trick question. Not setting you up. Absolutely. The, 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 the promised land is God's destiny for your life. It's, it's, if you could get all the thoughts of God for your life and bring them together and begin to see what God has for your life, that's the promised land. It's the fullness of his purpose for your life and even for this church. There's a promised land for this city. And I want to talk to you about the, overcoming the biggest giant of them all. I wonder if you can think what that giant is. Because there were many giants in the land. Seven giants, seven nations greater than them. There were giants that were physically intimidating, but none of them caused Israel any problems but one giant. And this giant is found in Joshua 6 and Joshua 7. So we're going to pull this together and this word's going to change your life. Isn't that exciting? So as we look at this, I want you to understand in your mind that as Israel goes into the promised land, there is only ever recorded one battle that they enter into that they are defeated in. Did you hear that? And if you can overcome this battle, every other battle is for a foregone conclusion. There's only one battle that they fail in. And when they get this right, they never ever again see any defeat in their life. Does that excite anybody? If you can get this today, what I'm teaching you, you will be an overcomer for the rest of your life. Does it mean you'll have no battles? No. But it will mean this, you will always overcome. But this is a very interesting story. Joshua 6.22 Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house. So in this story that I'm going to teach you today, there's Rahab, there's Joshua, and there's Achan. They are the three main characters in this story. So go into the harlot's house, which is Rahab's house. And from there, bring out the woman and all that she has and all that she, as she swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and they brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, all she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. So they're just about to burn down Jericho. But they saved Rahab because they made a promise with her because she hid the two spies. But they burnt the city of Jericho and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. So Joshua spared Rahab, the harlot, her father's house, and all she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day. She became the great-great-grandma of King David. Because she hid the messengers whom Joshua had sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua charged them at this time, and he said... Cursed be any man before the Lord who rises up and builds again this city of Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with its, his firstborn child, and with the youngest child he will set up the gates. Did you hear that? They burned down Jericho, and he says, If anyone raises this up again, they will lose their firstborn and their youngest. Now, as you study scripture, what you need to understand in this story is the meaning behind what God is saying. If you're taking notes today, it's really interesting that Jericho is a picture, in fact, means the moon. The moon is a reflected light of the sun. It's not the, the dominant light. It's a reflector. God said that the sun was placed in the sky as the major light to govern by day and the moon to govern by night. It is a force of power. It is a governmental force, but it comes from its reflection of a greater force. It's a picture of your soul. Your soul is a powerful tool on planet Earth. Dean spoke about that today. 
Whatever a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. Your inner world transforms your outer world. But the power of the redeemed soul is in its ability to reflect what the Spirit of God is saying to your soul. It reflects the sun. It has no power of itself. Its power comes in its alignment with the sun. Are you getting this? And God said, I'm going to destroy Jericho. Jericho is a picture in the Bible of the unrenewed soul. It's a soul with walls around it. It's a picture of the soul that hasn't been transformed. And God said, if you're going to go into the promised land, I'm taking that thing down. And it never again shall be rebuilt. In fact, if you rebuild an unrenewed soul, if you go back to old thinking, old patterns, rebellion, unforgiveness, whatever it is, he said, if you rebuild that, it will cost you your firstborn. Your firstborn is a picture of your inheritance. And it'll cost you your youngest son. And your youngest son is a picture of intimacy. Do you know the youngest son becomes the apple of the eye? It's the, it's the one that we dote over and fuss over and spoil, the oldest children say. But that goes with the territory. But... God says, if you rebuild the unrenewed soul, it'll cost you your inheritance. You will not possess the promised land and it will affect your ability to be intimate with me. Don't rebuild what I have torn down. Jericho is mentioned six times in the New Testament. Three times it's mentioned in in reference to blind men who are begging by the roadside. They can't make any progress. They can't see. So that's what Jericho is. It's a soul that's blinded, unrenewed. Again, it's mentioned as a man walks down to Jericho and he's beaten up. Remember, a thief comes and beats him up. It's, it's, it represents our destiny stolen. It's a fascinating place, Jericho. And God says, if you rebuild that, it'll cost you your inheritance and your intimacy. Overcoming the biggest giant of them all. So let's read on, Joshua 6, 27. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the land. They burnt down Jericho, this amazing victory. It was just incredible, and everything's going amazing. But, don't you hate that word, verse, chapter 7, verse 1? Everything's going good, it seems, on the outside, but, but, The children of Israel committed a trespass concerning the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Kami, the son of etc., etc., took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. It looked great that overcome Jericho, but in overcoming Jericho, burning down Jericho, one man went in. And took things that God had said expressly, do not touch these things when you take Jericho. The ban was on the accursed things. No gold, no silver. Everything must be given to me. The ban was all about preparing them for the promised land. See, when God comes into your world and begins to talk to you about the way you think, about what to do and what not to do. It's not because he's a hard taskmaster. He wasn't saying to the children of Israel, you know what, I want more gold and silver and I don't want you to have any. It wasn't about that. He was preparing these people to take the promised land. God has your success on his mind. And everything he does, I have this theory that God causes, uses the least amount of pain to cause the greatest amount of pleasure. Some people think God creates the most amount of pain to cause the least amount of pleasure. But it's not what he's like. So when he's beginning to talk to us about the way we think and feel and choose, these are all things because he sees the big picture for our life. Don't choose small when God has big things in mind for you. Verse 2. We see as we read through this story that Joshua sends out men to spy out Ai. In fact, they send out two men and they look at Ai, which is a key city before you go into Bethel. They have a look at this city 
And they think to themselves, there's only 12,000 people here, probably about 2,000 warriors. We can take this with 3,000 men. Now, we know that they're in God's plan because Moses in Deuteronomy had given Joshua, listen to this, instructions about the way to take the promised land. He'd actually mapped out the course, the way that they would go in. So they were, it wasn't like they were out of God's plan. They were attempting to do God's work, but with an unrenewed mind. So they come back and say, we can take this place. And so they go and they march against Ai and they get beaten up, 3,000 Israelites. And it says 36 men died. That's not a lot, is it? No. But they knew that that was a sign, even that was only tiny, that the favor of God was no longer on their life, that they had done something wrong. I want to skip forward just a fraction because I want to show you something. In Joshua 7, verse 20, the reason for their defeat is this. Listen carefully. Achan took from Jericho silver, gold, and a Babylonian garment and buried it in his tent under the ground. Took the gold and the silver, took it, and a Babylonian garment, which they think was made of gold, and he took it into his tent and buried it under the ground. And that was the reason for their defeat. Joshua, as I read this story, had instructed them that all the gold and all the silver belonged in the house of the Lord. Now, don't miss this. The gold represents, was a picture of the glory of God, what does glory mean? Well, we, we, can, we can make it sound all airy-fairy, but this is essentially what glory means. It means the right belief system, the right opinion, the way you think. Glory and righteousness go hand in hand in the scripture. And he says all the gold belongs in the house of the Lord and all the silver belongs in the house of the Lord. And silver is a picture of a ransom. It's redemption. So he says, all that belongs in the house of the, God, of the Lord, not with you, Achan. See, I have this theory that it's only when I bring the gold and the silver into the house of the Lord that it can be transformed. The way I think and the control... See, because silver represents redemption or the control. See, when I redeem something, I'm purchasing something. I am buying the right to free that person, but they then come under my control. They come from one master to another. So the silver, which is a picture of the lordship of God over your soul, and the gold, which is a picture of a right belief system. When they, when they took the gold and silver, it had to come through the house of the Lord to be sanctified. When you took it and it was unredeemed, you would function under that unredeemed mindset. So he's saying when you take the gold and silver, it better come to me. When you get born again, you better make sure you bring your soul under my lordship because I have redeemed you. You come out and you say, Lord, whatever you choose for my life, the way you want me to think, feel and choose, you are Lord of my life. It's bringing my will under his will. Are you hearing this? And the same with the gold. The way you want me to think and feel my belief system, I give it to you. But he took the gold and the silver from an unrenewed place and hid it in his tent, which is a picture of his life. Are you getting this? Instead of putting it in the temple where God could transform me, coming under his presence, the temple represents the word of God and being transformed. He said, I will possess, I will pursue my destiny, but I will do it with an unrenewed mindset. And that's what caused defeat. Verse 6, you got it? So Joshua tore his clothes. Oh, what's going on? Defeat's come. Have you ever done that? Your life's not working out the way it should be. You thought this was God. God's shown you his plan for your life and you begin to step into it and do what you think is right and things start going wrong. Has that ever happened to anyone? Just me? Okay. And he fell to the earth on his face before the ark. And he and the elders of the Lord, and they put on dust on their heads. It's very sanctimonious, very spiritual, as you would do. How often have we done that? 
crying out to God because things aren't working out. Joshua said, alas, alas, Lord God, why have you brought us up over the Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? I thought you had a plan for my life. What's going on? Oh, that we had been content to live on the other side of the Jordan, eating garlic and onion. Lord, what will I say when all of Israel turns before its enemies and they will surround us and cut off your name? Oh, God. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? You know, you're trying to possess the promised land. You're stepping out in faith. And all of a sudden, defeat, defeat, problems, problems. You're saying, God, what are you doing up there? Who's to blame? What's going on? Why aren't you intervening? Pray more, fast more. And God says, get up. Has he ever spoken to you like that? A slap on the back of the head in love? Because you're pouring out your heart to God. This is not working out the way I thought it would work out. And God says, get up. Why do you lie on your face as if it's my problem? Why are you praying to me? What's your problem? You are the problem. I love that. I really do. Overcoming the biggest giant of all is you. You are your greatest problem. And that is so encouraging today. Because if God's your problem, I've told you this before, you're in deep trouble. Because there ain't much you can do to move him. And if I'm your problem, you're in big problems too, because I ain't moving. And if the government's your problem, you've got three years to wait. But if you're the problem, you can change today. Oh, but that goes against the grain of the world that says it's your problem, it's my mother's problem, it's my father's problem, my wife, my husband. We want to blame everyone. But God's saying, I'm not your problem. You're the problem. There's sin in the camp. Deal with it. There's thinking and choosing and emotions that you've embraced. You haven't brought it to my house. I told you, I warned you, if you played with a belief system of Jericho, the unrenewed mindset of the world, if you played with that, it would take you out. And you didn't listen to me. And somebody's buried it in their heart. And it's a beginning to affect everybody. Your choices affect more than just yourself. Your unrenewed thinking affects me. It's your fault. It affects your family, your marriage, your destiny. It's going to get better. Don't worry. I love this because God's so encouraging. Remember, I've told you this story many times in 2 Kings 4, but it's a personal favorite at the moment when the woman, and I'll get back to Joshua in a minute, but the woman who who says to, to Elisha, my, my husband is dead. You know, he served you. you know, and now the creditors are coming to, to take my two sons as slaves. And I thought two sons were my present and my future. There's no hope. And what does the prophet say? Oh, I'm really sorry about that. He says, no, what do you have in your house? What's inside you that can change your present and your future? God always turns it back on us. She says, what are you thinking? What are you choosing? What are you feeling? She says, oh, I've got nothing but just one jar of oil. And that was the problem. You see, if we have a small mindset, small belief system, when God wants to multiply his favor and power in our life, there's nothing to contain it. The moment she started to collect jars and get a bigger mindset, the mind of Christ, possibility thinking, the oil started to flow. And when the jars stopped coming, the oil stopped flowing. See, I trade with my belief system. It's the currency of the kingdom. If I can change the way I think, feel, and choose, there is unlimited supply in my life. Ephesians 3.20, under him is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Above all that I could ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work. See, it's not the devil. It's not demons. It's not the government. It's not your wife. It's you. And if you can change the way you think, the oil will begin to flow. Joshua, I'm not the problem. You're the problem. Somebody has chosen to think inferior thoughts. 
And that's your thinking that has crippled you, not the giants of the land. The giants are nothing. They're nothing. Verse 13. So get up, sanctify the people, and tell the people, sanctify yourself for tomorrow, the Lord God of Israel, says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, and you cannot stand before your enemies until you get rid of the accursed thing. Did you hear that? You can't stand before the enemy with unrenewed thinking. He will take you out. The reason he beats you up is not because you're powerless. It's because of your corrupted thinking. It's not so much a power encounter as a truth encounter. He has no power over you. But if you think he does, he does. Rise up. Change the way you think. You've let something accursed get inside you. You can't stand before your enemies. They will slap you senseless until you get rid of the gold and silver and the mantle. See, if I want to walk in the mantle that God has for my life, I need to come under his lordship and think the way he wants me to think. So Joshua, in verse 16, got up early in the morning, brought all these of Israel by their tribes, and they began to do a, right, you know, one, two, three, four, right, you're out, one, two, three, four. And they began to eliminate from tribe to family. And they whittled it all down from the millions of people there down to one family. How would you feel? It's the reverse of being picked in the school for the footy. You know, it's like, I don't want to be picked. I don't want to be picked. And you know, like you'd imagine his heart was beating because he's being narrowed down like a laser light. See, when God traces sin, when I talk about sin, it comes in many forms. Your thinking can be sinful. Missing the mark, unrighteous thinking. It always has a beginning, has a lineage. It started here because of what I did there. When this event happened, I choose, chose to think this way. I chose unforgiveness. In a heated battle, in a heated argument, I chose not to forgive. In a time of pain, I chose to get angry at God. In a time of pain, I chose my own comfort over God's destiny for my life. I'm speaking to someone now. You've chosen comfort, things that make you feel good, over pursuing God's purpose for your life, and not just for you, but for all those around you. I've chosen selfishness, and now I have a lifestyle, and God's honing in on you today and saying, there's unrenewed thinking. There are issues of lordship that I want to deal with today in your life. I'm coming to your tent because I want you to wear a mantle for your life. I want you to take this city. But the mantle goes with the gold and the silver. And when you have unrenewed thinking, you are functioning under a false mantle because the mantles of God can only sit on those that have a renewed mind. Verse 19, so Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord. Make confession to him. And tell me now what you've done. Don't hide from me. Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I got my calculator out and worked out this could set me up for life. I saw the Bahamas. I saw amazing future. So I coveted them and I took them. And here they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver underneath it. Notice the order. I thought about this and I thought, isn't it amazing? Two contrasts in this story. Rahab, Achan. Rahab was a prostitute. Achan was from the tribe of Judah, the elite tribe. See, it doesn't matter how far back you've started. What matters in the kingdom is will you allow God to transform the way you think? You may be here today and you've had the worst upbringing, the worst education. Or you may be here today and you've had the most privileged upbringing. Rahab, Achan. Rahab was a prostitute, Achan, tribe of Judah. 
Rahab hid the spies in the roof of a house. Achan hid the gold and the silver in the garment in the floor of his tent. In the roof of the house, Rahab hid the spies under flax. Flax they put on the roof and when the rain and the sun came, it would, it would eat away at the flax and it would leave strands of linen. Linen is a picture of righteousness. Revelation talks about the linen of the righteous of the saints because of their righteous acts. She'd hidden herself under a righteousness, under right thinking. Under because when the spies came, she was thinking different to everyone else in Jericho. She may have had a bad upbringing, but she must have encountered God because when they came, she was able to see what no one else could see. She came under him and was saved. Achan hid the spoils in the floor of his tent. Do you remember I talked about going into the holy place? And what do we have there? A dirt floor and a roof made of linen. Do you see the patterns right through the scripture? And so many of us want to identify with our old nature rather than the way that God sees us. And remember I said that there were two, two of us. The Bible says right now that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. The perfect you, the you that God sees. And he says when you make the tabernacle, see that you make what's on earth according to the pattern in heaven. And our role on earth is to look into heaven and see what God sees about us. To look into his face and say, Lord, the real me in heaven, because I am seated with you in heavenly places, there is a heavenly tabernacle and an earthly one, which is more real. But when Jesus came, his blood was poured out in the heavenly tabernacle, not the earthly one. In far as God is concerned, the me in heaven is more real than the me here. So I am to look at what he sees, the way I think, the way I choose, the way I feel, the perfected me. That's what Rahab saw, but Achan, he chose the earthly me, the Jericho me. God wants to transform the way you think. So Joshua had this choice to make that nobody would want to make. I don't know if you put yourself in these people's shoes. It's helpful to do that when you read the scripture. But he's a man and his family who have colluded to make a terrible decision to hide what doesn't belong to them, to embrace a mindset, a disposition that's going to cause all of the army to fail. Let me tell you, until they deal with this problem, they cannot enter into the promised land. Joshua knows that. If I don't get rid of this guy, we will never win another battle. And that's how serious it is for you today. If you don't deal with unrenewed thinking, you will never progress. That's why you meet people and you think they're no different. You're the same person I met 20 years ago. In fact, I think you're worse. But on the flip side, you meet people and they've changed. You're no longer the same. You think different. You look different. You dress different. You choose different. Everything about you is different in a good way. So you had a choice to make. Kill the family. Or never win another battle. What would you do? It's painful. It's painful. Pain is not optional in life. The mere avoidance of pain is to choose pain. So a a lot of people don't make right decisions because of pain. But you are signing over your life No progression, no breakthrough, no promised land. And this is a word of the Lord as we position ourselves to take the promised land, to take greater things. How can we we take a city if we can't take our own mind? How can we do that? How can we make choices that hurt to the core where something has to die, relationships have to die, things have to change, but we won't do it And we forfeit the promised land. 
Achan, his family, the garment, the gold, the silver, all burnt up. Because the silver, the gold belong to the Lord. All gone. And that's what we've got to say, Lord, burn it all up. Redeem my soul. Take control over it. The silver belongs to you. You said that I was bought with a price. I bring myself under your lordship and I say, no matter what, you are enough. Beyond all my questions and all my pain and all the things I don't understand, you are enough. I've had to come to that place in times of great pain to say, God, there is nowhere else I could go. I've had people say when I was young, how did you stay in church through all that? Where else could I go? Where else does a sick person go? How could I leave him because he's so real to me? Where else would we go? How could I, how could I hate a God who sent his son to die for me? Even though my world is screaming he doesn't love me, I know inside me he loves me. Remember that? Little song, Jesus loves me, this I know. Because, because he's told me so. I've heard the voice of God within me and I can't shake that. His seed remains in me. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is inside me. I can't, I can't get rid of that. Redeem my soul and fill it with your glory. Teach me how to think. Enable me to carry the mantle for my life. Joshua's tolerance of pain determined Israel's level of gain. He had a choice to make that would determine whether Israel progressed into the promised land or stayed where it was. I want to say to you today, your tolerance of pain determines your level of gain. Sometimes it gets too hard to wrestle with these unrenewed thoughts and feelings. Well, join the queue. Is there anyone here today that finds it easy? Please. See, the devil lies to us and says, it's just you. You're you're a particular case. It's just our wrestle. No, no. We all have to embrace pain. Face our fears, our inadequacies, our, our troubles, whatever it might be. And Joshua had to do that. He alone had to make a decision on behalf of all of Israel, and every Jewish eye was bearing down on him, what's he going to choose? Is he going to take the easy way out or the hard way? It wasn't easy that day to say, right, all the kids, Achan, wife, all your animals, bring them into, into the centre, stone them, cover them over with a big heap, and then light the fire. You try doing that. Pain. But he had no choice because a whole nation was at stake. Our future was at stake. See, you don't realize that when you make painful decisions, it's not just the moment, but it's the generations to come. When you choose to walk through pain, when you don't feel like doing it, but you say, you know what, it's not about me. There's days where I don't want to come to church. There's days when you don't want to come. There's days when you don't want to be happy. You don't want to give to people. You want to be selfish and all about me. But you step through that pain because it's about when I step through pain, I go up to a whole new level of gain. Your threshold of pain determines your level of breakthrough. And I'm beginning to discover it's those that embrace pain and make painful choices, they're the ones that grow. It's not about your education, your IQ. It's are you willing to embrace pain? Pain becomes the leader's greatest friend, and you're all leaders. James Blasco said change is hard because people repeatedly overestimate the value of what they have and underestimate the value of what they can gain by giving up what they had. Let me tell you, what you have is not that great. I'm comfortable with this life. I've got enough money. I've got a good little routine. It's not that great. Let me pop your bubble. It's not that world-changing. Ah, but I got a nice little house, a little veggie patch out the back. I come home and pick up the eggs and watch TV, put my slippers on. It's not that great, love. It's not world-changing. 
And the reason you look so great is because you don't do anything. Anyway, my ability to bend with pain determines my level of success. Have you ever done the low limbo? I thought about doing a demonstration, but I realized it probably wouldn't look very good. But many of us are like, you know, like that man that comes to do the low limbo and they can't bend. See, Rahab learnt to bend. She learnt to bend and allow his thoughts to be higher than what she was. Achan refused to bend. So we begin to bend under pain. We begin to allow it to change our life. We embrace hard times. Embrace new thinking. I'm going to really step on some toes here, and this is with nobody particularly in mind. So if you think I'm preaching about you, you're right. (laughs) But not you in particular. Can I just say how it is? Because it's truth. And there's a lot of love in my heart, okay? But if you refuse to bend, there's no gain. So I hear these things like, I don't read. No, you don't bend. You don't bend. You've chosen to keep Achan alive and you've forgotten your destiny. That's what you've done. Oh, but you don't understand. Oh, I understand. I understand. You've become comfortable. Because there is no excuse. I know people who who can't read, who physically can't read. And so they get someone to read the book and they record it and they listen to it. And they're amazing that they are changing the world. Because they're bent with pain. And they've pursued God's purpose for their life. They haven't become narrow. See, unrenewed thinking, embracing, burying it in your house, this is the sort of thinking, I don't need that. I don't want to change. I can't do it. It's all too hard. No, no, you've just embraced an unrenewed Jericho. You put walls around you. You are rebuilding what God has torn down. The moment you get born again, God says, you're a leader. I've called you to change nations. I believe in you. Believe in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Yeah. Joshua's saying, oh, Lord, it's, it's all going. And now he says, get up and get rid of that unrenewed thing. And we're saying, God, why aren't I progressing? Well, God says, it's not my fault. I've done my bit. Rahab knew pain, but she went lower. Achan knew pain, but he went higher. He chose the easy way. As I get towards the end, I want to talk to you just very quickly about two types of pain. Joshua went through that day internal pain. Listen, God is working in me so he can work through me. We're forced to deal with internal struggles, Feelings of being inadequate. We all get that. And I'm sure as Joshua walked up that day to make a decision, he was battling with internal struggles. Why do you think God said to Joshua, Joshua, be courageous? Why did he say that? Because he was going to face a lot of times where he had to make decisions that affected multitudes of people. He would be faced with feelings of not being adequate. And God says, be courageous, be brave, be strong. I am with you, Joshua. The pain of, am I called? Am I equipped? Can I do it? I said to Karen, I I go through these feelings. Sometimes I think, I don't know if there's another sermon in me. It's the internal struggle of God. I don't know that I can do it. I don't know whether I'm gifted enough. And we face those pains. And we say, you know what, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. And you love people so much that I'm sure you can find something else to speak about. And we step through our pain of being inadequate. We step through the pain and we begin to address reasons why we think and feel the way we do. We go to God and we become real with ourselves. Instead of blaming the world, we begin to say, Lord, maybe it's me. Maybe I need to change. It's the pain of this internal wrestle that we all go through. But Joshua had to do that so he could stand as a leader and say, light the fire, take them all out. Only a man of incredible fortitude and character can do that. We face Not just internal pain, but external pain. And I I wonder what he said, light the fire. I wonder what people were thinking. 
calls himself a leader. He preached love last week and grace and mercy. Now he's killing people. Oh, what a leader. Bring back Moses. He never burnt people. Short memories. You see, if you're going to progress in your walk to the promised land, you can overcome the pain of the internal pain, but you're all going to have to overcome the external pain as well. You have to start thinking different. It's been on my heart for a long time, but God keeps saying to me, tell the people, be careful about the friends they choose. And I don't know why he keeps saying that to me. Maybe because people aren't listening. People will either stretch your vision or choke your dreams. If you tolerate mediocrity in other people, you will become mediocre. It's the way it goes. People who don't increase you will eventually decrease you. It's not rocket science. And it's painful to say no to people because they criticize you. Oh, too good for me now. Become spiritual. It's like, it's painful. Joshua had the pain of people misunderstanding him. But if you want to pursue your call, there's pain. There is no leadership without pain. Oh, we criticize people. Oh, look what they've done. You don't know the wrestles they've gone through to make that choice for the greater good. And you may not see the results now, but they've got eyes down the track to see what will happen if you don't make that choice today. Fathers, you need to make painful choices. Rise up and be a man. Make a painful call. Say no. It's not to your wife, of course. It's to your kids. Why does the world not want to embrace pain, avoidance? See, I'm discovering about myself and most leaders, it's not that we don't see what's going on. It's that when we see what's going on, we won't pay the price to deal with it. That's the problem. See, Joshua let the vision drive him. He had such an upgrade in his thinking. He, he saw ahead. Listen to this. If your pain is bigger than your vision, then you will bring your vision down to the threshold of your pain. Did you hear that? If your pain is bigger than your vision, you will bring the vision down to the threshold of your pain. And then you'll be left with a mediocre life. So push through. Choose right thinking. Choose the kingdom. Not my will, but your will. Jesus set his face like flint. He could see what God had called him. Be, be focused in what God's called you to be. Be unrelenting in his call for your life and for the discipline over your own life, for overcoming the giant that's inside you. Be unrelenting in that. Stop excusing your bad behavior. Deal with the issues and possess the promised land. Every giant you face will be as nothing if you can overcome yourself. God is committed to empowering you today to possess your promised land. Amen. He's committed. You may feel like today that as I've been talking, you're under that pile of rocks with the light. You've been frizzled and frazzled and burnt. You've made bad choices. You're in a hole. You're not progressing. You're consumed with wrong thoughts. You've checked out. You've, you've called out. You've taken a passive position in life. People have overtaken you. You're under a rubble of bad choices. That's called the valley of Achan. It's called the valley of trouble. It's a disastrous place to be. But do you know the great thing about the Bible? God doesn't leave it there. Because as we finish in Hosea 2.15, he says, I will give back to Israel her vineyards and I will turn the valley of Achor into a door of hope. Did you hear that? Do you know that word hope in the Hebrew is literally, this is what it means, a lifeline between you and where you want to go. God throws you at a lifeline in your valley of acorn. He says, grab a hold of that and I will pull you in to a place of hope. I will give you your vineyards of prosperity and blessing. doesn't matter. See, this is a great thing about the new covenant. We can be under a rock heap. We can be burnt to a frizzle, frazzle, 
And yet there's always a line of hope. He's called Jesus. Reach out to him. Say, Lord, change the way I think. I've been parked in this position for years. I'm hiding gold and silver and my own mantles of of what I perceive my life to be. I've been hiding that in my tent. I've embraced, Jericho, a, a wrong mindset. I've checked out, Lord, drag me towards where you want me to be. Change the way I think. I, I want the silver and the gold to go through your temple. Transform, transform my soul. My, I come under your covering. You are my Lord. You've redeemed me. The silver, the gold. I embrace your mindset, the mantle. I'm going to live under your mantle for my life. When you do that, God throws you a lifeline. How many lifelines are there? As many as you need. Call unto me and I will answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. I will rescue and save you. I am the deliverer. Joshua, his name, it's Joshua is a type of Jesus. He's the deliverer. He's the savior. And Jesus is here today and he wants to get you out of your rut, out of your mold, so you can pursue the promised land. The greatest giant of all is in me. And if I can beat that sucker, the promised land is mine. And he said he will help me. He'll help change the way I think. If I come under his lordship every day, say, okay, God, this is painful. But help me through this. Do you know, I was reading a scripture that says, this light affliction is but for a moment. Did you hear that? It feels like it's gone on for a long time. But God says, here's the reality. It only needs to be for a moment. What does that tell you? Well, you can choose to have affliction as long as you like. But in God's agenda, when we go through things, he doesn't, he doesn't say that you'll be without challenges. But he says it's a light one. He says it's working for you a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. So, I, so what he's saying is that a light affliction is never designed to become part of your identity. Never. Your challenges should not get inside you and shape the way you think and feel and choose. He says what they should do is work in you an exceeding weight of glory. It will add substance and authority to your life. So if you're stuck today, God's saying, I want to get you out. I'm throwing you a lifeline. I want to pull you out of this affliction mindset where you're burnt and charred and stoned and and stuck, and I want to bring you into your destiny. I want to teach you how to embrace pain and make it your greatest friend rather than your greatest fear. For yes, you will have pain always, but it can become your greatest friend. God changed the way I think right now. Overcome the giants in my life that I've embraced and buried deep inside my tent, thinking choices, mindsets, stucking ruts, whatever they might be. I bring them to you, Lord. All the gold, the silver, everything I've collected, I place in your in your treasury, Lord. Redeem me, change me. I want to be all that you've called me to be. And today, if you could be like Rahab. You could have had a bad start, bad thinking, bad choices, independent living. But the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you've never asked Jesus to come inside you, be like Rahab. She asked the spies to come in and all she and all her household were saved. He will change you. He will transform you. But the key is this. Will you let Jesus come inside your heart and become Lord of your life? If you've never done that today, do that. Just raise your hand. I pray for you where you sit. If you don't know that Jesus is your Lord, if you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me, why don't you raise your hand? Church, would you pray right now? If you've never done that, would you lift your hand? I pray for you where you sit. I'm not here to embarrass you, but... If you've never done it, just lift your hand up nice and high so I can see you. Is there anybody? Just lift it up nice and high, just once so I can see you. If you feel God stirring your heart, just respond to him. It's an invitation to the greatest life. Is there anyone here today? 
Okay. Lord, I pray for every other person here. I pray that you would change them from the inside out. All these giants within that we've embraced. We'd ask, Lord, that you would transform us. You would take these giants out, these wrong choices, unrenewed thinking. We ask in the name of Jesus. Come and transform us. Come and transform us. Come and transform us. Come and transform us. And as we leave this place, I pray there would be new decisions made. People will go and they'll begin to progress in the way they think, make right choices, choose to educate themselves, choose to think different, embrace new opportunities, make new friends. Whatever it is that you want us to do, Lord, we'll push through pain barriers of being insecure and we will reach forward to our destiny. You have said, like you said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. So I pray right now, Lord, that through all the pain of making new choices, taking new ground, that the courage of the Holy Ghost would bring us through every painful choice that we have to make. We ask in the name of Jesus. We want to be used for your glory, Father. It's our deep desire. So I want you just, before we finish, to visualize in your mind things that need to change, things that need to be surrendered, pain that needs to be confronted and embraced. And as you do that, know this, that he is with you. He's thrown out that line of hope that says, I'm going to walk through this journey with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you overcome the biggest giant of all, which is yourself, the unrenewed way. Thank you for doing that, Lord, this week. As we go out to our workplace, school, wherever it is that we are, let the light of your glory go before us. Give us opportunities to share our faith, to be light, to be love, to nurture this city in everything that we do. We ask in the name of Jesus.